RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. Hosted by myself and, of course, the incredible Kevin Turnbull from uh, Los Angeles and the UK, uh, along with uh, Debbie Holmes Evans, who's here with a guest for us this week on behalf of Double Devu Business. Debbie, nice to have you back. Hi. Now, Debbie, you're here because a certain person asked you to be here. Who was it that asked you to be here? Because it wasn't Kevin and me. No, it was Mr. The one and only Blair Motil, uh, who I've managed to give the largest title ever uh, below. <laughs> now, a rumour has it that Blair Motil is the most unsuccessful dog trainer. Is that true? You know, I was thinking that's initially what I was saying, or maybe... Um... Just not quite there yet. I haven't figured it out. Uh, because whilst that's not going to be one of the subjects we intend to talk about, um, yeah. I bet many, many people who have had new dogs know there is a period of transition. So, Blair, how far into that transition are you? Well, we had the uh, the four-month-old. That was pretty sweet. Tons of energy, jumping around, so cute, soft fur, and then would crash. It looks you all are doing it well somewhere along right around the six month mark it joined turned into a burst of energy and then a burst of energy and now i can jump on everything and get my paws <laughs> on the countertop <laughs> so it is uh i found one thing that is more energy than i do uh, that's that's probably where we should kick into the show before we talk about business passion today and ask is it an illusion you know, is it real, right? Uh, tell us a little bit about what you get up to. We've got this long, massive scroll on the screen still. So, so Blair, what do you do for a living? What do I do for a living to keep myself busy? Uh, there's a whole lot of things I do. Um, my most passionate thing is building. And so whether that building is, uh, we're working on another property right now that's actually gonna be an ax throwing venue um, not my business. I'm just creating the place. Uh, the beauty of that one is if it fails, then I have my own personal axe throwing venue. So that's fun one right now. Um, on the, the business side, the one that's making the money, um, on the payroll, we are just exploding right now, working with the different tax credits and the stimulus and jumping in anywhere we can to help local businesses out. Um, what's been really kind of fun like that is I realized a couple months ago that like we're really lucky right now to be this busy and it's allowed us to grow and as we're growing we're kind of changing the way we're working and um, having just a lot of successes right now with good good team building. So just to clarify if anyone here has an axe to grind we can come to your premises and throw axes. Yeah. Yeah I mean, it's, that's a fun one to say right there. Kevin, have uh, you got any, Kevin, have you got any axes to grind? Uh, as you know, I've got plenty of axes to grind at the moment. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to wash my dirty axes in public. <laughs> no, <absolutely. laughs> so uh question to you then, Blair and, and Debbie. Uh, 
What is business passion? What do you think it is? Am I allowed to throw my challenge in first then? I have to ask Kevin. Well, it's it's actually a great topic because a lot of a lot of leaders, I think, are kind of passionless. You know, they think it's a dry and dusty thing, uh, and it's um, can be done by the numbers, and um, you know, it's a kind of it's a bit of a choreography. But actually, I'm a great believer in passion uh, because I think it um, it drives motivation, it drives um, the ability to weld teams together. Um, and if leaders don't have passion, then Generally, I find there's something wrong with the organisation. But is it yeah, not a, mis a misuse of the word passion? That's my challenge to this. It's like many words that have become maybe cliched in the business world. Is that is it that you need other qualities to actually be passionate? So it's not necessarily that you are passionate. You become passionate by doing other things and having different motivators. Well, it's not Blair. So Blair, are you passionate? Yeah, yeah. And so, well, um, the idea of business passion, um, I want to say, like, what is the context we use for passion? Is that, um, are we saying it's a, it's a feeling? Because what I'm kind of thinking of is, is passion is more, it's like you have business, you have to have drive to run a business and to be a leader. Um, and then a passion, I think, is some kind of range or some kind of a zone along that path where you've really hit your stride. And you've connected with what your task is, the way you work, and all in all, there's an over or overall sense of just being really fulfilled by it. And that fulfillment, I think, creates the energy, the passion. So I don't think it's something that you can take off the shelf and build. I think it's a result of doing things right. I think I, I, I broadly agree with that, um, uh, Blair, absolutely. Um, and I, I understand what you're saying, Debbie, about it's a, it can be a bit cliched, but to me, passion is just about the enthusiasm, it's about the energy, it's about um, it's about a kind of emotional involvement in the business, rather than being passionless, um, where it's just yeah. a kind of, you know, a, a kind of physical activity of some sort. Uh, but if you don't have that kind of um, that emotional tie into the business, I just think you can miss out. Um, so that's what I think. Well, you know me, I like to challenge the, the use of words. So I'm, if we can use a different word, then that's what I would prefer, because I think passion is, and again, for me, it's, it's a combination of many. You have to acquire passion. And I think I have to agree with Blair in context. It's all relative to context as well. Yeah, no, it, it is. But and, and a lot of these words, you're absolutely right, Debbie, get kind of misused and hacked around. I mean, what? One of my one of my non-favorites is authentic. Uh, when people say I'm going to be authentic, it usually means I'm going to be selfish, um, and, and and I and I can't kind of separate that, that concept because of that. Um, although I understand that authentic means you know I'm going to be real and I'm going to be this that and the other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but sometimes people misuse it, and that always gets up my nose. I agree. So I I think passion um, has to be part of something. So. You know, if you take a classic framework, Blair, right? So ideally, a framework like this allows you to get around something. And, but if you haven't got something like this and you're, you're just going through motions, 
then I think the opposite of emotion, tie-in, is motionless. There's no energy. There's no, as you said, Blair, there's no drive, is there? So no, would, no. Would, you, would you say you're more driven than passion? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because whether I like it or not, I've got to keep moving. And I'll find myself just doing projects around the house to, you know, that being in, in motion is uh, calming for me. But then there's, you finally, sometimes I'll get in a zone when I'm out working on a sculpture. Sometimes I'm just welding, organizing. And then sometimes when you just get in that groove, get in that zone, those those are passionate sculptures. You can see when they're all done in the end, just they, they look like they're moving, standing still. Versus other times when you don't, and they just look awkward, and there's no balance to it. And so let's can we clarify something then? So you you are a qualified accountant, is that true? Say that again. You are a qualified accountant. Uh, yes, I, I do have that degree hanging on the wall. Uh, you're a tax specialist. I've done that. Yep, twenty some years, and gladly not doing yep. it anymore. You successfully have built a high-performing payroll business. That's in the works right now, yep. Uh, you have houses that you flip. Yep, yep, almost done with those for the season. You design... Um, uh, what's that, Debbie? He's a sculptor. Oh, no, we're coming to that. Um, you design uh, event premises as part of partnerships. You know, that, that's the way I can't take credit for what her and her family does. They, no, no, but you they're rock stars in their own right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but you also, uh, in, in addition to that, um, are part of bus uh, building restorations in East Dundee, the new offices and other things like that. But having said all of that, Kevin and Debbie, you're right, Debbie. You also find the time to sculpt. Yeah, but so when out of all that? those different, out of all those different things, um, I think that the accounting was a skill set that I learned. Um, I wasn't passionate about it. I was good at it. I could do it. To me, it was organizing and you know just quantifying, qualifying things. But then once I took that skill and take that into payroll, um, it's not to me. It's like some of the structure that I learned, the thought process that I learned, and then I put that in the right thing with payroll. Then that's cool. That's exciting. That's fun. But when I go into work on a, on a renovation on a house, um, that's the artist in me. That's the the sculptor trying to you know envision what's there. I'm don't bring the accountant with me inside that door. I, I don't do budgets on the renovations. I don't add things up as long as I'm going. Um, I do that at the end. So I think that um, how you apply those skills and the things you had in the front part, those were my, my base things, the core things. But everything you started listing towards the end, those were the passion projects. Those were the fun ones. See, that, that, that's really interesting, isn't it? So uh, which out of all of your uh, passionate things, which traits the most dominant? Is it your artistic? Uh, the building trait. The building trait. Okay. That's, it's interesting, yep. isn't it? All those well, different so, habits you Yeah. Well, for a while, I was building a real estate portfolio. And then you're going in and you're building houses and you're doing renovations there. Um, on the payroll side, you know, that wasn't the first business I've been a part of in my life. So 
so part of it's a formula going through and going through the steps going through the motions i learned um and i want to say it's probably around year four that's when the passion really hit that's when i had the ability to do things for the first three years of the business it owned me yeah and it's because something in that sorry black one yeah i was gonna say once you get over that hump and you get your first couple really qualified employees um your life changes you can actually now get to the point where you're running your business and i think that again is where some passion comes in that's really good go ahead Lily. now i was just going to say what's really interesting kind of what's gone into my head is if you think about where we're at globally from covid and coming out of this we've got a lot of people are building passion businesses therefore things that they may have done as a hobby or something that they've enjoyed doing which challenged because as any startup you have to have some business acumen you've got to have the support the network a coach a mentor you've got to have the backup and actually those passion projects can fall down very very quickly and become financially unviable mm-hmm. so it's also the question is that at what point because i think it was an interesting conversation that says actually most people start with passion first so i'm um, this is a passion project i really enjoy doing this and then the logic comes in after which actually by the time the logic's in it's too late normally failed 97 percent of businesses fail so it's actually passion then becomes something like a slow ember burn you know it builds momentum as you learn the skill and the experience and i think it's just a really interesting interpretation from your perspective because actually that's sustainable if, if you're you know, consistent learning and then get passionate about something then that to me is sustainable it's when it's not sustainable when it's all fire fire go 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 with no structure no logic no process it falls over well that's interesting you know we work with small business every day and there are two types of things that you get you get the highly educated mba who studied the way to start a business and they can start them they grow them fast um those are going to be bigger companies they're probably also going to be a little more, um, you know, a little sterile, not necessarily have the same feel to them. Mm-hmm. But the majority of small business, I, I mean, Sean had come up with the number at one point that said like 75% of businesses are small businesses, you know, the 10 to 15 and under. And a lot of those don't necessarily come from somebody who went to school to learn how to do business to create something. A lot of those are, are misfits. The people that might have gotten out of school went and worked with somebody for four or five years and just realized, I don't fit in this environment. This isn't me. And what are you going to do? It's not a matter of like successes where you go out on your own. Sometimes it's just, I got to find what fits me. And yeah, you see a lot of these businesses are just making a paycheck. Um, Those are a lot of the people where you know the owner and you're talking directly with them. Um, Whereas the guys who are really making some good money, they tend to be a whole lot more removed from the product. So I would say you probably find more passion, um, more fulfillment out of those smaller jobs. So even though the people might not be making the big bucks, and you actually don't see as many of them fail because a lot of them don't have alternatives. Yeah. They're not they're not going to go get another job. They would rather make less money than go work for somebody else. Now, whether it's that's great... drive planning or it's just being stubborn, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a great observation, Blair, and, and it, it almost takes us into the second part of today, which is talking about business commitment. I mean, how do you um, retain your level of commitment to things? Do you have any 
things you do or are you naturally like that well this is a really good one where there's really two sides of it so i'll start kind of a couple steps removed from it which was 2008 when we had that crash in, in the states i don't know if you guys saw the same stuff over in your area um, and we're really concerned that a lot of these people are business owners and businesses are failing we're going to lose clients hey mark how are you good how you guys doing so well and mark's gonna be able to back this up we're talking about 2008 when we saw a lot of businesses you know the economic crash we thought all these businesses were going to go under and we actually had a remarkably low drop rate when we came to the conclusion that these people didn't have alternatives nobody was hiring at that point you didn't have new things to get into and so at that point you have no alternatives so your your commitment is um, sometimes not always voluntary it's a matter of the situation um, but at the same point there are some people that want to work nine to five and there's some people that want to accomplish goals it's it, it's an interesting insight to see and i guess that's the nature of your work isn't it to be able to see lots of clients at any given time and observe another one of your talents is to observe patterns isn't it as to see patterns that are in play um let's welcome mark sunderland uh, from boulder you know uh, who's who's usually ahead of the peloton uh, <laughs> spinning, spinning ahead of the pack uh, he's come to join us and support blair our guest today mark great to see you my good friend well thank um, you we've been talking about business passion and from lots of different perspectives with blair and with kevin and Debbie. and we're talking now about commitment and i i, I do like this whole idea the business commitment is usually uh, seen more or more noticeable when there isn't an alternative. Debbie and Kevin, what do you think? I, 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 no, 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 go, 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 go. I was just going to say that I think the comparison between healthcare and business is very compelling. Um, as you said, Blair, you know, you, you, you might sketch out a, a, a sculpture, but once you get into it, you've the, the passion kind of hits in and you drive it in a particular way, which seems right, you know, creatively or whatever it might be. And uh, and I think the same is through a business, that you have a, you know, you, you might have a framework, you might have a plan, but once you get in there, the passion kind of drives the growth. It drives the direction, it drives the creativity of the business. Um, and, uh, and I know what I'm saying is a little bit clunky, but you know, business is a sculpture. That's nice. Business is a sculpture, sculpture for building an artistic uh, impression there, Blair. Debbie, what was you going to say? I have I've completely forgotten them. <laughs> I think I just, I like, one of the things that's interesting is, you know, when we use analogies, I get lost sometimes. So then I was thinking about a sculpture and a sculpture ends up being a finished product. Now, Blair will be able to challenge me on this one. So is a sculpture ever finished? I.e. because a business is never finished, is it? A business is always in a, a constant evolution and cyclical process. So, but is a sculpture ever finished from somebody who sculpts? Uh, to me, my sculptures are done, you know, sometimes it might lag on a little longer. I've had some that are sitting in the backyard five, six years now, and then I'll pick it up again and kind of finish it. But once it is done and I know it and feel it, it just is balanced, I'll never go back to it. 
if yeah. I have other ideas, I'll put those ideas on the next sculpture. I don't want to continue to go back and redo things over and over again. I, I don't like the maintenance side of things. Right. So, Blair, you know, okay, we, talked, we talked about your qualifications. Are you a qualified welder? Um, I'm a qualified garage self-taught welder. <laughs> Excellent. Was, I love that. I'm going to come round. No one wants Yeah, I mean, they don't teach you how to weld in accounting classes. And I just had a buddy over the other day, you know, and he's kind of learning how to weld himself. And I was like, so have you done the sledgehammer test yet? So what are you talking about? I said, well, I never knew how to test my weld. So I'd get something done and just take a sledgehammer to it and hit it a couple times. And that's how I learned if you can't weld metals together, you can't cast iron with something else. So you weld it and if it takes a hammer, it was good. If not, you know, that's how I learned. And I think a lot of that same thing happens in business. And so I think the real profile of a business owner is, uh, Sometimes, you know, office misfits, um, we're fighters, we're scrappers, we're stubborn, we have drive. Um, and sometimes if you get all those things right and you understand your energies and you can relate that back, find a way to relate it to other people and really build a business and be able to react with your staff and create a team. When you get all those things humming at the right time, I think that's business passion. Right. That's lovely, Kevin. Uh, we are getting some sound interference, but because your smile is so infectious, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so I think I think I like that, Kev. You are right. And Blair, I think you stumbled onto something in my notes that you probably didn't even know about, that business commitment needs people commitment. And I loved your narrative there about joining all those parts up. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask Mark a quick question. What do you think about business commitment, Mark? Well, sorry to jump in late, but just, you know, kind of hearing what people are talking about, it, it, it leads me back to, you know, going through the businesses that we've worked with, not just back in 08, 09, but also with COVID. And I think, you know, you think about business commitment and you throw passion in there, you know, the, the survivors, yes, the ones that have survived, you know, have had, they have that passion, they have that commitment. More importantly, I think the ones that either suffered or were forced to reinvent themselves, whether they decided to become a welder and, and use a sledgehammer test to, to, to see how good they were getting at that. But that's what, you know, the good business owners were able to pivot because they were, they were committed to their business and they were passionate enough by building a plan and sticking to that plan. Now, a lot of times those plans have to change, but if you know, you've got a plan that you've put in place before, you know, let's call it a framework and you're passionate about re meeting those goals that you've laid out, you've probably been successful somewhere along the way with what you've put in there. So when you have big changes that come along, whether it's of your own doing or forces completely outside of your control, which is what most, most of us has dealt with in the last 18 months, as well as back in 08 and 09, you're able to revisit your framework, know what you're all about and what you're passionate about and why you're so committed to doing what you're doing and being successful. It makes it a lot easier to, to pivot a bit. Now that could be a full reinvention of what you're doing in a lot of cases, but some cases it could be just a reshuffling and, and, and of, of timelines and, and goals and reevaluating, uh, reevaluating those given the current circumstances. So I think those, those owners that are committed and know exactly why they're doing what they're doing, is key to, mm -hmm. to seeing that through. So is there something in that, 
it says many connotations. Uh, but to be committed, you also need to have a plan or an understanding of it. Because I think one of the things as a coach and talking to people regularly about their business or about their own plans is that a lot of people talk false commitment. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's coming your way. Yes. So if you, is it driven by a plan? Is it driven by passion and a drive and an understanding of the business? What? If that's before I even said it, well done. <laughs> I, I, would, I would think it's both. I mean, I think you 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 can have a people are there's people are passionate about all kinds of things. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm passionate about riding my bike across the country and all kinds of things, but I'm not committed to it as as much as I like to be for all kinds of various reasons, but I don't put a plan in place, right? So it's like, you can be you can be passionate about something, but until you're truly committed, and I think to be truly committed means you are gonna put a plan in place and you're gonna have hope, you know, you're gonna have some way of keeping yourself accountable to that plan. Mike, you know, most, I, I think most people can agree no matter what they've done in life, whether it's athletic achievements or business achievements or something else, having some kind of an accountability partner or partners is critical right because obviously we can, you know we can get our, we most of us get in our own way all the time so unless we have that outside resource to hold us accountable and hold us to our commitments i think that's where most most fail is they don't have that so they might have that great passion of something they may even put it in writing and put a plan together and, and build out a framework but if somebody's not there to help them through that especially when they hit speed bumps along the way which we always will I think that's where things get can get off the rails a little bit. Yeah. And that's where you need to have co coach shelting, Mark, right? That's correct. <laughs> and so coming back to our guest of honor today, Mr. Votil, the Craywell Rockstar entrepreneur, investor, advisor, coach, friend, and superman, and fully untrained dog trainer that we heard. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, Blair, what do you think about true commitment needing a plan? I was just wondering, um, for us, like I said, we have lack of options, but like our crew, the people who work day in and day out to help us build our businesses, like how do we talk about their commitment? Um, I think that sometimes the commitment comes more from the atmosphere than the work. Because how many employees, they've, they've been with you forever and they're doing the bookkeepers, the payroll processors, they like to study, they like to even going. So, their work generally doesn't change for years at a time. But yet there are times when we see uh, their commitment, level of commitment change, um, their level of engagement changes, their level of passion does. So it's interesting more to take that aspect of like, when you talk about commitment, what really makes somebody committed to it? I, I, think, I, think, I think the answer is about building commitment to your people as part of the culture around the framework you were just talking about. So, and I know you do that. So giving them space to be, it, I think mm -hmm. it's, a, it's going to become more and more and more and more important in the future. Um, I was talking to Kurt yesterday about his daughter, Alison, and how she represents, uh, for lots of reasons, a generation that I think will change the face of leadership uh, in a massive way. And it's given them the space to do that, giving them mm -hmm. the space to be in, out, more, less. But it still comes down to some old-fashioned truth that I think Kevin would be able to confirm, uh, that without human connection uh, and taking the time to put people commitment as part of what you're doing every day, 
I think it's much harder, Blair, would be my uh, my two pence worth. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I, I think Blair hit the, hit, the, hit the button right earlier on where he says, um, you know, different people have different commitments. You know, you can be very committed at work, but you want to do nine to five. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. that, and that's different from the normal commitment that you think kind of a senior managers are going to have, which is I'm going to work 60 hours a week because you know, I'm really committed. Uh, but both of those are examples of commitment in their yeah. own way. Um, and as Blair said, you know, different people have different motivations. Nine to five and, you know, you're balancing work and life is very important to many people. Um, you're working hard to build a career is a different kind of commitment. And, the, and the, that might be expressed in different ways, you know, working longer, working harder, you know, going up the greasy pole, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but they're all examples of great commitments. <laughs> We, we, I don't know that term in the U.S. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Now, I wasn't talking about lap dancing bars again, uh, Blair. <laughs> now, uh, we do have a comment on LinkedIn from uh, Jessica Martin, a fellow payroll rock star uh, that you know, Blair, about commitment is also fueled by genuine purpose. And, and do you think that plays a massive part with you in your business building? Yeah, yeah, and I think the th I'm thinking of three words right now when you talk about getting that commitment is freedom. Or so this is relative to our, our crews: freedom, trust, and structure. And if you have the structure and you trust your employees, then you can give them freedom. And I think once you have that, where they now know what their boundaries are, but you trust them. Um, I think that allows them then, like Jessica saying, is to find their spot, to find their seat on the bus, their genuine purpose. Um, otherwise, it's really hard for me to try to put somebody in that spot. 100%. I also want to thank Stuart Mason for stopping by. Uh, I think he was just to confirm your last point, uh, which is great. So two, two interactive statements there. But coming right back to those three words, I, I want to go to Mark. Mark, what do you think about structure, trust, and freedom? Well, I just wrote them down, so I liked it. I really liked how he said that, especially when he put it in the order. Put it in the order. Um, you know, especially in an industry like ours, you were, you know, accounting and payroll and stuff like that. I think that's obviously extremely important, but I think it's important in any any industry. You know, once you once you've shown trust in your in your people, right? They feel that trust, and I think they become more committed and more passionate about what they're doing for the overall cause. And I think, uh, the, you know, the comment, I mean, the, per, the comment that uh, Jessica had posted about genuine purpose, I think that goes back to, I absolutely 100% agree with that. It goes back to why are we doing what we're doing in the first place, right? If you haven't figured that out or defined that yet, then you need to, you need to do that immediately, right? Because I think that's, if you don't know exactly why you're doing what you're doing, you are going to have days where you're not working nine to five. You're working six to 10 at night, right? I and mean, if you don't know why you're doing that and you don't have that genuine purpose, right? And your people can't see why you're doing it and, and buy into that purpose themselves to some degree, right? Then you're never going to get that. You're never going to get that trust, right? And if you don't have that trust, I think back to Blair's point, then it's then it gets harder for both ways. Then it gets harder for you as the business owner to allow your employees to have the freedom that most employees these days, especially these days, 
are looking for in every industry. I, I, I love it, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. So, well, but I, oh, let me throw in here then. I don't think when people try to find talk about like a genuine purpose, I don't think that there's some wild, crazy thing where you need to go quit your job, move to the middle of nowhere, <laughs> sing Kumbaya and find your inner soul. I'm, you know, we talk about the accounting. I didn't like the accounting. Um, I didn't like the tax. I was pretty good at both of those. But then I found payroll and that little difference there where it's more structural, more setting something up. It's still all the same number, same tax law. But that right there, I've now hit my genuine purpose. And so I think when you talk about that freedom and we're like, oh, we're just giving them freedom within the business. Sometimes that's all it takes. I, I think that's a fabulous observation and we're going to just put Blair literally in the spotlight, Debbie. Um, I'm just going to bring Debbie down one there and pop Kevin to the top of my screen. So uh, for the last well, let me part get pretty the time, <laughs> Put on your best well, TV, the, mate. Yeah, if I'm in the spotlight now. You're, you're, in the, you're, you're absolutely in the spotlight. So. I hope you're not driving. <laughs> Wrong no, side no, but the I car, said... Mark. Mark, you missed it before, and I said if this is gonna be an authentic Dave Evans and Debbie podcast, I gotta do it from my vehicle. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so before we put a question to Blair, for all of our consultation regulars, we've been talking about business passion. We've been talking about business commitment. We shared about Blair's ability to be an unsuccessful dog trainer. And <laughs> Debbie and Kevin joined in the conversation about what is passion today. And it's usually wrapped around something that's happening over time. We just, if you just joined in a minute ago, we've been talking about three real golden nuggets. Put structure into your business, build trust in your people. And if they're doing the right work, they'll have the freedom to do it in the best way suitable to everybody in the organization. So to finish off this bonus episode of Consultivation, let's go to each person one at a time for them to ask Kevin, uh, not Kevin, that's not fair. I'm sorry, Kev. I thought we were going to put you on the bus there, sir. And to ask Blair in the spotlight a bonus question. So, Blair, who would you like to ask you first? Um, geez, I want to end with Debbie because I know she'll be the softest and nicest. So, <laughs> other than that, let's go. Let's go top down on the screen. So, Dave, you're up first. So, Blair, what's an interesting fact that most people watching won't know about you? <laughs> oh, uh, an interesting fact that our team building exercise on Friday is going to be pumpkin carving with power tools. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> picture, picture that, you know, we got, uh, we'll have 15 people down by the river. Bookkeepers, payroll, accountants, tax people, carving pumpkins with power tools. And I don't know about putting power tools in white collared hands, but. I don't know if workers' comp will cover that. <laughs> oh, that's man, true, that's a good call. So, let's go to Kevin. Kevin, a question for Blair Motors, sir. Blair, I think you're inspirational. And what I'm taking away from this is you're welding numbers together to get the right results. But. You can't be that much of a super, super human. So what are you most scared of? Oh, um, most scared of, uh, not being prepared for something. 
You know, I like to have two ways to do all these different things. Um, I'm scared. Jeez, there's always got to be relationship issues there. You know, I'm scared about uh, are the people around me going to approve of what you're doing? Um, one other thing I'm scared of. I don't know, having to cook for myself. That's interesting. Uh, so let's go to Mark. Before we do, I think uh, Jessica Martin, who's listening with us, wants to join you for the Power Tool Pumpkins. So <laughs> take take a video. Maybe Payroll Payroll Vault Central can join in at some point. So let's let's go yeah. back to the questions. Next up is Mark. Well, I might have missed this from from the beginning, but you know, why why are you a failed dog trainer? I'm not a failed dog trainer because I got perseverance and we're not at the end of it yet. Um, But man, all the things that we learn in business about structure and freedom and trust and all that, none of it works with a puppy. (laughs) Like nothing works. It's like, it's Russian roulette. There's, and so I'm, I'm learning uh, more patience. And at that time when you want to yank that leash, you know, you got to find your moment of Zen. And there's a moment is that analogous to hiring and training a baby or not a baby boomer but a uh, what do you call these the gen xers or whatever the millennials no 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 and i'll tell you what on that one dave and i have been working for a while on this one like six months ago i decided to get rid of the hierarchy even the thinking of a hierarchy hierarchy in an office and we flip it now to say anybody who works for me and works in this company is equally as important. Now we might have different things that we're that we're good at, and that's the things that we want to be respected for. So we have now said we got to let each person figure out what their specialty is, and find something in the office that they're really good at. And then when they get in those zones, then they thrive. So I think that by cutting down the hierarchy, getting rid of the 1950 stereotypes of you know madmen, how you run a business gotten rid of that one and the training is uh getting people up to speed is so much quicker than it's ever been it's the the people are all training themselves now rather than me being the boss who knows everything sitting with them beside their desk with their beaks breathing down their neck so just just to conclude Blair, I, that what you just said it's a really great insights there's another podcast right there but before we lose the thread of of what you did just say about flipping the hierarchy that's a really and the process you've applied i must also pull out the answer to mark's question so maybe mark what he's going to do is flip the training with his dog (laughs) (laughs) and that's before we acknowledge that most dogs take after their owner which is another clue so let's come to debbie very true very true yeah your dog sounds like it's as driven as you are so debbie do you have a question uh soft or not to ask Blair Bozel. Well, you know, Blair, that I'm normally very PC and I like to, uh, to, you know, to challenge people. So I'm actually going to ask you a question which is not PC, but is also going to challenge you. So you said you started an axe throwing business. Who would you like to throw an axe at? Oh, geez. Um, well, first of all, I'm not starting a business. I'm just building a venue out for the people to building go in the there venue and, out. and nice. throw axes out. And I would like to throw an axe at whoever <laughs> is the leader of the IRS. 
<laughs> there are another one. Joining no, any level of violence here whatsoever. Oh no! Just no, no. Sure we're agreeing to that. COVID has turned them into puppies. There is no structure anymore. There is no predictability. There is no routines. You call them and they won't even respond to you. So whoever turned the IRS into a puppy is who I'm going to throw that axe at. <laughs> now, then, of course, he's not saying that um, he wants to throw axes at puppies, just for anyone who's listening. Um, it's True. all about the IRS. It's all about the IRS. So, Blair, just to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a fabulous, fabulous conversation. And as usually on Consultivation, super diverse. So thank you for your time, Blair. Lovely to see you, Blair. See you soon. Good Thanks, you Blair. Also, a big thank you to Mark for dropping in from Sunderland Group in Boulder, Kevin Turnbull from RLCLA and over in the UK at the moment. And of course, the COO of RLC Global who keeps it all working and moving, Debbie Halls Evans, winner of the Taste UK, the one and only champion herself. Thanks for being on the show, Debbie. I've been Dave Evans. This has been Consultivation. We've been doing all things business passion, business commitment, business building, and you heard it here first. Get the right structure, get the right trust, and you and your team can have freedom too. This has been Consultivation. Every success with your learning. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Consultivations, brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.